Kia everybody, what's up? It is Robert. Welcome to Rebet Live episode. Oh, we've got some music playing. Got music, happy with that. Um, this is a last minute pivot. This is 2020 has been the year of the pivot of the of the change and shift in directions. This wasn't supposed to be a, a, a live Rebet show, but we've had some technical difficulties of an interview that I was supposed to be doing somewhere else. So my tech's come to the rescue. So we are here to do that I was going to be um, uh, interviewed on is... Uh, BDO is doing a Maori business survey, so without a doubt, welcome to the show. Hello, Carly. How are you? I'm good, Robert. How are you? So now let's let's fl- let's flip it. So let's pretend because you had a quite yeah. a good intro the other time. So now let's pretend this is your show. I was going to be on, and we we go from there. Go for it. Okay then. <laughs> so um, how we were actually going to start today through the BDO technology um, was to really introduce the Māori sector report that has come out um, today. It is uh, really the voice of the market. Last year in BDO, we thought a lot about what the market wanted, and then we had this moment. We said, well, why don't we just ask the market? Um, BDO covers a whole lot of SMEs across New Zealand, so we're in that small to mid market. And we just wanted to know what was going on, what people were up to and what was happening. So last year, it gave us some great feedback. This year, we thought, okay, let's ask again. And keep in mind, last year in New Zealand, it was all about diversity and race relations was really high in in the New Zealand media and commentary because of the very sad events that happened down in Christchurch. This year, however, we're into what I'm calling the year of the virus. So... Um, Our questions were of a similar theme as last year, but with flavours around how are people coping with COVID and business. And, you know, it was fantastic. The feedback last year highlighted that Māori and business really take a a multi-layered approach to business. They are really socially focused and they care for the people and the planet. This year, what we've seen, and we're attributing it to the COVID event, is they've just lifted their sights a bit more on the profit piece and said, well, if we're going to be resilient and we're going to have a sustainable business, how do we do that when we're looking after our people, we're looking after our planet? Actually, we also need to make sure that our profits are sustainable to support those activities. So that led to me going, well, if we're going to launch this report, you know, who is it that I'd like to talk to about their view of business? And, um, and Robert, you came to mind. You are young, you are Māori, you are global. You are ticking all the boxes. You do tech. Hello. We're in the podcast now, which um, thank you for that. So I actually thought to myself, well, I need to call it all with Robert about this. But before we do, I think I should do a quick cut again to kick us off. And I'm going to do Kote Kupu, Te Kupu, Kote Atua, Te Atua, Korangi Nui Ki Runga, Ko Papatunuku Ki Raro, Ka Matiai, Te Tangata, Ka Po, Ka Ao, Ka Awatea. Maori order. Now, that karakia is um, symbolic of us as humans. Um, we rise, we live, we die, and then the sun rises another day and we come back up. And so the life cycle goes, it goes around. And I thought that was really quite important in the year of the virus. Um, I think we have really, as a nation in New Zealand, got focused on the people. Um, but equally, what I love about in Māori when we start our kōrero and we do a karakia is we bring gratitude into the meeting and that just puts us into a space to have a real open mind and to debate, discuss and come out with some great solutions. So, 
I'm mindful that I'm actually in your whare, but I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, tell us a bit about yourself, um, and I'll do that off the back of, I read your spin-off article the other day, and I oh, just yeah. thought, you know, kapai you, that's awesome, it's always really hard to put yourself out there, quite a vulnerable thing to do, which I knew when I was going to interview you, you're used to being the interviewer and not the interviewee, so um, if we were in, if you went over in San Fran, you're in, I'd be giving you a big hug right now to say, aroha mai, my friend, you're in safe hands. Um, but, you know, you have had an exceptional journey in life. Um, you're very young, and the things that you have done in your life so far, um, you know, is outstanding. And I, and I noticed um, your post this morning around it being Mental Health Awareness Week, mm. and you putting it out there that, you know, you're just like the rest of us, you know. You have had your challenges in life. Uh, the good and the bad, and, you know, the for us to really, what I took from it, Roby, was let's all be kind to each other because you don't know the journey another person has walked. Um, but I have to say, for me, you're still outstanding in what you've achieved and made me very proud, of course, I have to put this in here, that you are now. <laughs> yeah, so, go, brother, we are Fano. <laughs> so I'm um, hugely no. proud, and... You know, from people who are Ngāti Pro back home, we're always extremely proud of people like you that, that go out there and walk the talk. So, over to you. Tell us a bit about yourself. It's, um, yeah, I you've, you've cracked the code because I don't, as much as I talk, I really don't like talking about me, <laughs> like the actual stuff of it. And, you know, the, the spin-off thing, I, um, the feedback of it was pretty crazy because I didn't, I really didn't actually want to do it, um, which is ironic when it's about, you know, I very much believe, you know, I have always said, you know, New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. Um, but then sometimes when you're winning, you don't really want to be sort of, I guess, proud or loud about it. So, yeah, this, I get my, my own tension I'm battling with myself still, which, um, which is kind of, you know, part of the journey. But, yeah, I mean, super quick nutshell, um, whānau from Ngāti Parau, Waipiro Bay, population of 26, watch out. Um, and... Uh, then Farm and Dargaville tells for Fiji till I was nine, then Aranui Christchurch. Um, finished high school, went into this professional snowboard world and was fortunate enough to travel the world and kind of had a whole a whole life really, like a separate sort of just dream fairy scenario situation. You wake up and you're 19, you've got a black credit card, you're flying around the world doing anything you want. It's um, It's pretty trippy. And now I guess, you know, they came back to Auckland, uh, to New Zealand, did, did um, some business stuff there, media company, which I eventually um, exited to Saatchi and Saatchi, and then um, built a bunch of uh, co-working shared workspaces for tech startup businesses to help, you know, startups get from the bedroom to the boardroom kind of scenario in my head, uh, which went which went good too. And then the last two years, I've kind of been off the grid, really. Um, my wife's from San Fran, um, been over here, um, had baby baby number two, so now I got two babies under three, which is pretty crazy. And then this last six months has been uh, no travel, no city, no nothing, no people, no high fives, no hugs. Uh, you know, New Zealand's had two little lockdowns while I'm in month six of of not essentially doing anything. Um, so yeah, it's a different, definitely a different world. Um, you know, you, you see the year of the virus. It's like the the year of the shit show because it's the combination of the intersection of you know you've got politics you've got pandemics you've got protests you've got um recession you've got health you've got a virus you know there's there is so much at play in the same time that you know i think a lot of people are going through a lot so um where i sit now is you know i've got access to a lot of cool stuff with a lot of great people lots of cool opportunities so appreciate the chance to um to be on my tech on your show 
Oh, cow pie, cow pie, you right there. So um, just really um, quickly before I get into some of the more media com um, comments is, you know, that having two children under three and in your life journey and your story, you know, you've done, you've had a lot happen to you and you've done a lot of contribution. But how different is it being a father to two uh, little bubbers under three? I put a post about this a, a while ago. I genuinely think it is tougher to be a, people can have kids, but it's hard to be a parent, you know, and I, and you can tell the way certain people talk about their kids, whether they're present or not and whatever. And for me, a big one was I wanted to be a present father. Um, and the thing I probably maybe learned the most is the, um, probably the instant perspective shift that you have around, um, that it's about them and not you, that that every single waking moment of everything is, you know, the, the way I kind of feel is like, you know, your capacity for love and care gets so much more exponentially bigger because um, it gives you a different perspective shift which you never have thought about. So perspective was one, presence was the other. Um, and so those would be probably the two. And then as well, just the simple little things of, of slowing down to enjoy more smaller moments instead of, trying to wait for the big pops if that makes sense you know like yeah, um, yeah how so, has that changed the way that you think rugby and business how's it um sort of has it have you found a big mindset change for yourself probably more calculated um because i treat time differently you know without kids when you can just smack out 20 hours a day and you're just there on a computer screen or whatever you're doing it's very much um you take as much time as you want to take um but you know when you've got limited time gaps of either a kid's sleep and you've got 45 minutes to try and just knock shit out or whatever you become way more efficient with your time and then all of a sudden you you ask yourself what was i doing with all that free time and then so you kind of get a bit bummed with yourself for maybe not being as productive as you could be um which is i know probably not the smartest thing to to, to, to say or do but it just gives you it makes you question um you know priorities with time and energy and and that's probably one of the main things but yeah i think as well it's a combination of that plus as you have more business and life experience you probably see things a little bit differently so my um my my patience has increased dramatically and also maybe a bit more of the strategic pieces um with with where i play and what i do I, um, similar for me, I've got a four-year-old and I, yeah, the whole timekeeping piece, I'm, I'm the most efficient person that I have ever been in my life. And I have had moments of wondering what I did with all those hours where I felt so under the pump and that I had no time in my life. I had so much time. So I'm so grateful for my daughter for um, bringing uh, that awareness for me to the fore. Um, but equally, um, it's been great for me in cutting out the things that I'm going to say no to. Um, and I am a person who struggles to say no. I say yes to everything. Um, so she taught me a great lesson that actually I had to say no if I was going to put her first. Um, that, that had to be a part of my vocabulary. And, and I'm still learning on that journey. And she's just such a great teacher for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it definitely ch right it changes, but it's, yep. it's good. Yeah. So one thing that the Māori sector survey has told us um, last year and this year is that um, you know Māori do sustainability and business really well, and the majority of people who responded are, are small business owners, so they employ five or less people. Um, as a bit of an outlier, we did have some EV responses, 
So what they told us that I felt really proud of last year was that they really have a social focus um, on people and the environment. Um, the lifting of the sites on profits, I was pleased to see that it wasn't over and above those two, but it was to realign, to bring them up. So, and I likened it to the mahi you did around the tall poppy syndrome. Um, you know, profits can sometimes be seen to be this really dirty word and no one likes to talk about them. Um, and I think that is inherent in us as New Zealanders as we um, have that tall poppy syndrome. Um, so I know you did a lot of work around the high schools in New Zealand to really uh, get the youth of New Zealand to think about that and think about not living in that space and really celebrating success. So I just wanted to get some insights for you and your business. Um, you know, does that reflect and resonate for you? Um, and how are you doing things differently? I noted that uh, in the article in the spin-off, it said at 28, you sort of had this moment of sitting in this high-rise office and going, wow, I've made it. But maybe in your own mind, the way I read it was you thought, have I really made it? Is this what it's about? Is this is this where I'm at? And, and I sort of um, see through your journey that you've taken this more social approach and focus um, once you sort of hit that peak. So talk to me about um, your approach to business during COVID. Has it changed the way you're thinking? What are your thoughts around sustainability, ensuring um, that you have balance in anything that you do that gives positive impact towards people, planet and profit? Pretty loaded question there. Could I to unpack a little bit of it? Um, I guess maybe the first one is the, the acknowledgement and it comes within the culture, within commerce, it's usually led by community first in some way with the care for others. And there's always a tangible give, not a give back, but, you know, um, looking out for sort of one, one another that doesn't exist commercially in other um, races to the same sort of degree that I've, I've seen anyway. Um, and just with what it's, I guess, about. So... The first, but I'm not surprised at all that everyone's wanting to, you know, the social good and the community and the planet and the, like that's 100%. But the sound bites of what some bigger companies talk about for those things are so misaligned to the reality. And then usually there's the thing of, you will hear the, you know, big gnarly corporate guy or girl talking about all the stuff which they don't actually give a shit about. And then you've got the people who are talking about actually trying to do something, but on such a small, you know, scale as well as it does profits do you know what i mean it seems like there's still a bit of a disconnect between the biggest companies in the world potentially those that care the most usually aren't the the ones that have have the most capital maybe behind it and so i always get intrigued with the tension between creation of profits that talk about it being for the people um or but genuinely actually trying to help so that i i just find that interesting when i look at different businesses um i think you're right most of the things i've always done has been a combination of um, social, but to the point where it's around people and community. Like I, I love the the concept of when you can create platforms for others to help grow in a small way. Those little breadcrumbs of positivity or whatever it is that you help in their life can just be one small little sort of step in the right direction for a better opportunity or better relationship or better um, life. So that's always been really big for me. Um, always from 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 day one, um, and so maybe I have approached it through this. My I guess my biggest challenge potentially commercially over this last six months is most of my value 
for the majority of his time is if I'm physically present. Um, if I'm physically there with someone in a room, whether it be you know, a keynote at, at different conferences or board meetings or um, or creative sessions or, or events, or whatever it may be. And so a big one for me was um, trying to think about how you could how I could reset and build almost like a virtual empire with the intent of what I know I represent, but without me physically having to be there. And that's quite a tough thing to do when you've only ever seen the value commercially if you've physically been in a location. Um, so strategically, that's actually been quite tricky, right? Like how do you scale intent of what you represent, not necessarily what you do? Um, and so I think, you know, culturally it's great to see that you know, profits aren't a bad thing and they wanted to, 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 to address that further up the food chain. And I totally agree. Um, but then the second pivot offers, you know, well, in this new world of, I'm not saying it's a stop, go lollipop economy of yay, no, whatever. I just think the games have changed a little bit with how business can be done. Like I was just having a, a meeting before and they were saying, you know, the, the business, new CEOs just said, Yep, um, 50-50, work from home if you want, we don't care, as long as the output gets done, whatever. And that's a huge change from 12 months ago for a big business. Um, and so I think there's a lot of, um, so culturally, yes, agree, I think that, that balances off. And then uh, commercially, you know, the 90% strategy and then actually committing to the execution is probably how I would probably craft it up. Cool, cool. I was just interested in getting um, your thoughts on that, Roby, given that you are, um, you know, you are Māori and you are in business and, and you know, the survey's talking to us and saying some things and I was just kind of quite curious as to your thoughts around that, really just to add to the conversation. Because I find with anything that we do, um, there's always more than one way to skin a cat. Sorry for a bad old analogy. Um, and I think it's about us all equally coming in and, and working and playing to our strengths um, in what we do um, in business. And you know, one thing I do find with our Māori clients at the fore is always um, their whānau. Um, so I've been working on a concept lately um, around a way of a, a business mindset. And um, in the New Zealand context, I'd call it a whakapapa-based mindset. So I'm looking at the fact that, you know, through um, Rangi the Sky Father and Papa the Earth Mother were children born. And we all descend from those children, whether, we, whether it's a tree, a bird, a fish or a human. So when we're as Māori, we go into business and we have this whakapapa-based mindset of how is my action um, going to create a positive impact on my whakapapa, we are inherently caring for our fellow people and planet. Um, and I think, this is my own analogy, that through colonisation we lost sight of the fact that we're quite entrepreneurial and we are good business people. The narrative um, that has come through the years, or the negative narrative, is that we're not. So. I see within Māoridom it's about um, lifting our, our self-belief and our ability to be good in business, um, but equally to be good in business but do good with what we what we can do and achieve. And um, and I'm really heartened, you know, because I feel like that's going back to an old mindset. So we're not relearning something new. Um, it's an old mindset and we just need to traverse back. And I think for me when the survey came through and I saw that site getting lifted, I felt hopeful in my heart that that is where um, Māori and business were starting to traject, whether consciously or unconsciously. Well, I've got a bit of a, an add-on to that, which I think not many people were truly realising in a commercial sense, is that I think now culture is becoming the biggest underutilised asset in business 
that was seen as a liability and commercially it started to make more sense for those to to embrace that but the problem is that i'm seeing anyway is there's a very fine line between um embracing of of culture for um you know community and commercial gain versus um potential exploitation of those that actually want to leverage it for back to profits because it's basically a new lever they can pull right whether it be a diversity thing or the whatever it is as well and so i always get very i'm starting to get a little bit more um bullish on the awareness piece to let people in their businesses know that culture is the biggest asset right now because let's say for technology if everything gets democratized out and everything goes flat and everyone can do anything anywhere in the world anyone's got the same amount of tech the only thing that matters is the story the people the, the culture and the curation um and kudos points for shifting around so you get the bdo in there so the marketing team won't give you get you told off later so i appreciate I, that well i'll get a growling yeah, i get it um and not that, and I'll just say this is not being paid. We're just friends. I'm always happy to help to have a conversation um, with crew. And I think that is a that is a huge part, though. Um, so I get, I'm on offense for businesses to realize that they should embrace it because it genuinely separates themselves from everyone else. Simultaneously, I go on defense because I don't want to feel like culture's getting exploited f from those that genuinely don't give a shit. And it got to the point where I remember a situation recently without saying names. There was. Um, a big international conglomerate who strategized to put a brown face in front of um, a new pop-up agency to win government RFPs without ownership actually being driven by that. So if international publicly listed conglomerate, hey, there's some money in this culture shit, let's, um, let's, you know, let's put some face in front of it that, that, you know, that, that gives us a good shot here. And then they got the engine. So I think it's really, then I get on defense because they confront saying that they're helping culture, but actually it's exploiting culture. And so all I would say is just question, um, are they trying to empower or exploit? Yeah, good point right there. And I think that that's the fine line that, um, that we as Māori um, walk every day when we ask ourselves, um, and, and our ego comes into play, you know, you get these big players and they say, well, have I got the deal for you? And this is great. And you get quite caught up in that narrative. Um, yeah, no, and I think on my own personal journey, I learned lessons about that along the way, and and um, and I learned to say no when I it just didn't actually. I, I started to learn to listen to my body. My body would tell me first and foremost if something wasn't right, and um, I took quite a bit of time to learn how to listen to when my body was saying this is not right, um, and to decline politely um, and thank people for. Um, opening up that opportunity, but to also know that, yeah, there's an element of cultural exploitation. And, and you know, I'm so proud as an Ati Pro Wahini because, man, our Wahini can sense it a mile away and you can, boom, on social media, next thing you'll see a post and they'll call it out real quick. So, um, yep. you know, so I always know that I don't have to be the bastion for making sure that that um, cultural misappropriation doesn't happen because I've got a, a wide iwi around me. Um, and equally, you know, New Zealand, um, iwi as a whole will call it out. So, um, you know, I take heart that I'll do my piece and then um, uh, my iwi around me will help sort out the areas that I am not aware of or haven't seen. Um, so in New Zealand at the moment, Robert, we talked about, you know, this year of the virus and how quickly people are mobilising into tech and equally how tech has helped bring trust into business. So, you know, the business you spoke of earlier that, said, hey, look, 50% can go home. You know, my experience is 
pre-COVID, um, there was this element of, oh, but they won't work. You know, they'll go home and they'll clean their houses and are we going to get productivity? Well, COVID brought about um, this need to actually just say we've got no choice. Off people went and this huge level of trust came out is what we witnessed here in BDO. Um, where we mobilised our crew all to work from home. And I do have to say, though, we're really grateful that we're able to do that. You know, there's some industries that don't have that luxury, um, but we did and we used that. And this huge amount of trust came in. Um, now in the narrative we're seeing in the New Zealand context is it's all about um, building on the tech tools that we can use to continue that journey to mobilise ourselves, to become paperless. Um, People in the cities are loving the fact that they don't have to run their motor vehicle into the city um, and burn all that fossil fuel to get there and they can be as just as productive from home and they feel a sense of doing good for the environment. So, you know, for me, you are like the tech guru. I do have um, my good friend Barry Souter who keeps it real <laughs> for me in the tech space. Um, but, you know, you know tech. What are your thoughts on tech and the way forward and the role it's going to play in Say not only the New Zealand economy, but the global economy going forward. And once again, a nice little loaded, um, loaded question, but I appreciate the directness. Um, I think probably two parts to it. One back on the thing around trust is if a leader's questioning staff's ability not to be able to execute i actually think they're asking the wrong question like i had a situation extremely recently because it was two days ago and the conversation was um let's just make this outputs driven and we're going to find out in 30 days anyway go nuts next mm. you know and so i think what's happening from a leadership perspective is um it depends what size of the business too because i've seen i didn't realize it wasn't until i saw a bigger bigger company behind the scenes that people would actually hide in businesses where actually employees that wouldn't do anything and they were totally waste of space. They shouldn't have been there anyway. But the that's why structures exist for certain crew that um, basically are hiding within an ecosystem. So before I'd, I'd, I'd question with leaders, what size is the business and what is the smartest approach around doing it? I can understand structure for bigger businesses. If there's, you know, hundreds and thousands of employees and there's, you know, a million pieces moving everywhere, it's very easy to hide. So as long as there's visibility and accountability at regardless of the scale, you should be fine. But also for the smaller ones, I just think it's super interesting. Like right now, my this next little thing I'm doing is just like, okay, well, this is what we've got to get done. KPOs on all, go nuts. I trust you to do your thing. And in a month we'll find out you know so i think that's that would be my approach or else all that happens is you start end up over stressing yourself into what are they doing right now and ga, 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 ga. and and then next thing you know you're worried more about hr bullshit instead of actually the fundamentals of what your business should be focused on right so i guess that's like the headspace so you can focus on the doing of the business that's the first piece the second run in terms of the tech side is um i think one of the biggest dangers we have in business at the moment with COVID is the force pressure that's been forced upon people who haven't wanted it to have to adopt digital solutions which they didn't even know existed. So I've like obviously I live and breathe tech and I'm sure a lot of my crew do. I've got a friend of mine who's in the um the real estate game and you know he's got a couple hundred people underneath him, yada yada yada. Half of the people didn't know what Microsoft Teams even meant. Um so you're talking about a huge disconnect of a billion dollar real estate 
thing with hundreds of these people. These are fully grown adults that are going around with, with children and kids and mortgages, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, overnight they have to pivot into a world and they don't even know the name of one of the core, you know. So the, I think the digital literacy got challenged overnight and it put a lot of leaders into some really uncomfortable positions. Um, what I have seen on the comeback is there's been two types of leaders. The first is um, stuff you, we're going back to how it was. Um, because we've got our way and this is just a six-week break. And the other half is pretty similar to the other CEO of, hey, these tools are essentially just a tactic to help our business get smarter or better. Let's use, you know, tech as a tool. You know, tech is in, a, is, is in a business model. You know, tech creates efficiencies. Technology creates more empowerment and enablement within organizations and businesses. But tech is not um, – a strategy <laughs> and i think there's a big um sort of disconnect between some of the leaders just thinking that oh if we just integrate tech so that's on one half of it and the other side of it is then um probably just not getting too scared in the sound bites of what this tech future will be that they just put the handbrake up and don't even try to learn any of it and just block everyone out instead of actually just really saying okay well what's an action that we can take right now should all of our files for our customers potentially be on the cloud somewhere that's probably a smart thing okay cool maybe our it infrastructure should be set up in the cloud to be able to remote activate and deactivate that's probably sounds like a good idea should our invoicing be automated through uh, zero myob or whatever so there's visibility and accountability probably you know i don't think people um they create this massive digital like chasm i think is that the word like this massive flipping canyon in the middle of what they think they need to do instead of just taking one step of like, let's move to the cloud. One step of mm. like, let's put things in shared drives. One thing of like, okay, let's start some streaming, you know? So um, it's offense or defense. And the majority I've seen uh, have been forced into offense for the last couple of months. And now they're going back into defense and retraction mode because now you might be hitting a little recession, you know, GDP is going down, people are stressing out. So I hope that answers both sides of that extremely loaded question. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I think um, it's really interesting. You know, I, I love your thought around, you know, 30 days, you'll find out, you know, you'll find out whether or not people are playing it or whether or not they're in there with good intent. So absolutely love that thought. Um, one thing I experienced, what I thought was fantastic during COVID lockdown was, um, you know, I work primarily with Māori land. And so we have a governance crew over a land block. And the average age is around about 65, 70. So I had to mobilise these people really quick into using Zoom. Um, I went for the Zoom tool because it was more commonly known in New Zealand and I felt I had a better chance with that than MS Teams at the time. And you know what? They did it. They're amazing. I was like, I'm now hosting Zoom Hui, or we call them in New Zealand Zooies. Zooies. Um, with this Komatoa crew who are linking in. Now, admittedly, they forget to turn their microphones off and we get a lot of feedback and, and we work through that and, and I say to them, I can't hear them and they're telling me it's my end, but that's all good. The fact that they connect is amazing. But I think you're right. We are seeing in New Zealand a little bit of resistance now. I think uh, the stat came out the other day to say that they saw five times the movement in tech during our COVID um, lockdown moments um, of pace that was just unbelievable everyone couldn't believe but i am seeing resistance now where people have moved back into offices back into um into their desks and seats and they're kind of saying do we need that now because we're not in lockdown anymore 
So yeah, that's going to be interesting, I think, for us in New Zealand. And the government is um, putting funding essentially in to try and un, uh, unlock if cost is a problem uh, for businesses to implement tech um, as a way to get efficiency. So we're on an interesting journey. I think, like everyone is globally, and you know, any time will tell to see how successful well, just it's been. Quickly on that, the leaders and owners of these businesses are just quickly deciding: Do I actually need this lease, or do I go virtual? Oh, do I actually need all that like? Um, potentially unnecessary management layers from a people-to-people basis? Potentially not. Ah, you know, so there's a lot of those questions. So part of it as well, you need to understand of sometimes, a lot of times, executives or boards or CEOs sometimes won't do what's best for the actual business because it's not good for them. Um, And then usually that's based on how their roles are structured. So usually you can, I don't necessarily care not care. Um, I would rather be more interested in the levers levers that are making them personally do their role than what the fancy strategic documents are saying that they will be doing in the public. Because usually there's a massive disconnect between um, what they're saying they're doing and the fact of a shareholder price being a direct relation back to the um, executive's um, bonus towards the end of the year. And I think those, you know, just... Yeah, things I've seen. Yeah, and I think that's that fine line stuff, hey, that we talked about earlier. You know, of yep. walking that fine line between getting that sustainable profit, people, planet balance, and doing it authentically. You know, not making it a good marketing tool. Um, so I'm I'm really conscious of time with for you, Robert, but I do have one last question, and I suppose it's in the theme of um, it being Mental Health Week. Um, is really about well-being and business. Do you think the two can live together? And if you do, how do you think that works? And what might the pros and cons be? Loaded once again. Um, Is it possible? Yes, of course. Of course it's possible. It's just not easy. Um, And I think the a big, you know, the classic will be, the average survivor will have a weekly whip with the manager or some shit every 15 minutes, whatever, but you won't talk to a good mate in eight months. You know, why is that? It's like, well, I think it's because your brain switches. Your brain doesn't treat your personal life like your professional life. I mean, I think sometimes there's skills and tactics and tricks and structures which you should use for your personal life. You know, you should treat it similar things. So I book in time... Pretty much every time I I drive from basically the studio here back to, to my house, um, I ring someone and I'm talking to someone that I know personally. Um, you know, my phone goes on do not disturb at six o'clock or eight o'clock, whatever, seven o'clock, and you can't get me um, unless you're on my favorites uh, or in my inner circle. Uh, my phone does not go into my room at night. Doesn't happen. Um, I've got a $20 little voice recorder that goes next to it and anything that's in my head gets out done um you know you need to set up i try and i try and meditate every day um if i can um try and hydrate do a bunch of stuff you know i i treat my personal time like a business as well i structure out solo set times for me to to strategize with myself and you know check my headphones on have a nice you know pen and wire i have my little moleskin book right here that i um you know and i'll plan things out so i think that the is it possible yes is it hard yes but, you know, I want to play business till I'm 150. Um, I don't want to die in 10 years because I'm overweight and 
stuffed and my blood pressure's through the flipping roof and I'm stressed out in my mind and I'm eating like shit and I don't see my family and everyone hates me and blah, 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 blah. Like that's not, that doesn't sound like fun. So I think you need to proactively take a professional approach to your personal life to actually get balanced, but it is 100% doable. But, um, but the majority of people don't and they get stuck in consumption modes of things that don't matter instead of proactive creation modes of things that do. Awesome, Roby. There was some really awesome um, tips in there. I think that, you know, that our listeners, when they get a chance to see this, um, will really take away some of those. These are all business people who, like you say, um, you know, put a very professional lens over what they do in their day-to-day life. Um, but, yeah, taking that into your personal life, what a really good way um, of looking and thinking about it. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, our well-being is everything, and like you say, um, it does impact our longevity. Um, yep. You know, and something for us as Māori, where we do live shorter lives than um, the average New Zealander, and, you know, I often wonder about the weight we carry when we look, we're carrying our whakapapa on our shoulders, um, you know, and I know it's there's a multi-factors to that, um, that story, but, you know, that could be a piece that's not helping us in our longevity journey. So, yeah, words of wisdom. Lastly, I just sort of wanted to know from you what would be your off-the-cuff five tips for me to lift my social media game? Five tips. Um, if you're a small, you know, some simple ones would be, you know, on LinkedIn, you can get a custom URL for your own profile page. So it could be, you know, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Kylie. Um, Kylie P, Ngati whatever you want to do. That's a simple one. Um, I think what ha- what it feels like most people do on social that when there's a relation to business is they post because they want something from others, not posting to give something to others. There's always like a give and take, but it feels the majority of those that post in business are very much click here for a promo code link, hit me up and I can sell your house hit here for a discount code on this two for one special do that. And it it's, that's not really a relationship. It's a, the biggest mistake I think people make is they treat the platform like a transaction, not a relationship. Um, and the other part to it is people talk about patience, but they're not at all. They want the conversion of the ROI for the quarter, for the project, for the campaign. They don't understand brand. They don't understand context. They don't understand, you know, the long game of how things actually work. So by the time, you know, if, you know, no one can question your intent behind something when you actually do have something you potentially sell. The problem is people don't have the patience to it because they want the results. I guess it's like, you know, if I've got, you know, got a bit of a beer belly at the moment, but if I want to flip and straight six pack, it's not happening tomorrow means my ass has to start running every day and doing this and I'll, then I'll get it over time. People aren't patient um, and people post for themselves, not for others. And people um, are basically on the sell train instead of the give train. And weirdly enough, when it's around relationships, especially in New Zealand when everyone knows everyone, um, you, that game makes a lot more sense. Because you need to understand in the States – you can never pick up the phone and get to a decision maker ever because there's hierarchy and hierarchy and hundreds of millions of people and zones and sections and regions and blah, 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 blah. Like you cannot get in unless you're in already, right? But in New Zealand, because everyone knows everyone, I can guarantee that the two degree thing, you could guarantee get to the marketing manager of any company within 
one day if you actually wanted to because you will know someone somewhere to do it and so it's just weird because it feels like the game is rigged in new zealand but people are still treating it as if it's um as if it's not and they don't leverage it for their own their own needs so that would be some of them and then also in a nutshell if there's a strategy for it is is regardless what brand you have or what you're trying to sell or anything the game plan on social is pretty simple it's you know how do you you know convert community into customers through content with context that's it so how do you create content with context to convert community into customers lots of c's in there but that's the game that's the that's the entire thing whether you're selling a heineken bottle or your bdo services or flipping telco or whatever the, the thing is it doesn't matter you're trying to convert community into customers through context, but doing it through care. And most small businesses don't have big marketing budgets. And whenever people say, oh, I don't have time for it, it's like, shut your face. I'm busier than you and I can do it. You can too. If they say, I don't have budget, it's like, well, shut your face. I got to, you know, 1.7 million with zero dollars just by using social with free organic reach. So no, you know, so there's no reason that anyone can't do it. The hard answer that it just takes a shitload of time and a lot of thinking and a lot of, commitment to something which you may not see the upside for um, for potential years to come. Awesome, Robert. And I think that that just highlights, you know, the need for resilience in business. And being really mindful, I'm just um, so pleased to hear that you look at meditation, um, you know, being mindful of opening your mind to a I can do attitude rather than, oh, I can't do that because of. Um, I often say to people when they say, no, I can't do that. And I say to them, well, that is true. Yes, you can't do it. Yeah, you've already said it, you can't, so you can't. Um, and then often they'll get mad with me and they'll go, no, but I can. And I'm like, oh, that's the answer I wanted to hear. Um, so, you know, having meditation to be able to open the mind into the I can do um, is, you know, one of the ingredients into being resilient in business. Hey, you know, I'm just so grateful for your time today, um, grateful for your thoughts, um, so proud of you as a Ngāti Pro New Zealander, Māori, living abroad, flying the flag, you know, 250-something podcasts, um, which during that whole COVID moment in New Zealand, I tuned into a few of them, you know, because there were moments in there that were really tough for all of us in the mental health yeah. space. And and that just gave light that, relief. Yeah. yeah, light relief and gave us um, access to great minds that had different ways of thinking about 101 different things. So, you know, Robert, up to you. Keep going. You're fantastic. Um, I did get a little uh, message one day to say that, because I'm always um, liking your posts, that I could click this thing and become a top fan. And I was like, you know, I'm a digital immigrant. I was like, what is even that? So I didn't click it because I was like, I don't even know what that is. But I sort of laugh because I think, you know, I'm, I look at others that I work with and I'm only in my 40s, but yet I'm such a dinosaur when it comes to tech. But, you know, I look at what you do and where you take it. And, yeah, just hugely grateful. So thank you for your time. No, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad you did touch on the, the lockdown thing because it was done by design because I knew if I didn't do something like that, no one would. And it was because I put myself in the headspace of if I'm stuck at home and if I'm not mentally strong and if I'm potentially going to lose my job or if I potentially don't know what's next or if I don't, where can they go to and what can they do if they don't have a network or someone that's accessible and relatable? And what I know to be true is there's levels of access which give you insight to worlds you don't even flipping know exist. But I know I've got them. So I thought, how can I use this as a moment to essentially leverage my Rolodex of IP to share the thinking and the thoughts in real time for those that they 
may not be able to talk to to see what's going on in their head to give them breadcrumbs of ideas or positivities or spark or something. Um, and so it was almost like a kind of a weird like audio IP download of the heartbeat of a nation for that five weeks. And people don't realize I was going up to six hours a day straight, no sponsors, no bullshit, no nothing. And I would, I would sit there all day and just go back to back to back to back to back to back and just hit, you know, and it's, it was idiotically stupid for my time and my energy in terms of the mental, because the mental load that it actually took was so intense because your brain the entire time for hours on end is, is just getting put to fifth gear mentally. Um, and then because I wasn't physically moving as well, it was actually really, really tough because I wasn't physically moving, but my brain was going for so long, for so many days, it was tough. Like, so, but, but man, because I knew what was happening was people were messaging me on the stuff. Like my comms with people, like people hit me up all the time and I'm, and I communicate with a lot of people that no one even knows about. It's like, great. But when this started happening, the tone was like, yo, I'm stuffed. What do you think I should do? Hey, I'm flipping, feeling down. Oh, the shit's going to, like there was a lot of heavy, bad shit and I couldn't scale my one-to-one -one time. So selfishly as well, I wasn't just doing it for the one person that I was talking to. It was for the hundreds, if not thousands who could get access to those things to get those breadcrumbs that was scaled value without me in the room. So it was, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because it was a flipping, it was, I'm glad I did it, but it took its toll, um, mentally because it was a foot it was it was tough but I'm, I'm i'm glad that yeah you brought up because i know it helped a lot of people so that makes me feel good yeah i think i mean i always liken it to Roby. essentially you were running a marathon day on day out you know your brain is a muscle and you can only run a marathon for so long you can't do that forever and i think it was not long after that you took that month's break of social media where you deleted all your social media accounts it's you know and it's, it's not yeah. with my phone i don't have social i don't have any instagram tiktok's gone uh, LinkedIn's gone, Facebook's gone, Twitter's gone, everything's off my phone. I can't, it's, yeah, yeah. that's what I was talking about, the consume versus create. Um, it's dangerous. Yeah. No, and I think um, just, yeah, you, you're amazing that you put it out there. And I think yeah. other people um, have those things going on and until people like you um, make it safe to have the conversation, um, you know, it's your impact is huge, um, absolutely huge. Appreciate so, you know, and you never you've, know run the, until, you've run the mental marathon. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'll never know. I've talked about. I don't think I'll realize any of the impact until potentially years. I'm starting to see trickles on now, but because it's not done on an ROI for commerce, it's done an ROI for people, but a long game chess game with people to help over the long game. So, you know, you'll never know. Um, but yeah, I appreciate your time, and I'm glad that my tech worked, so we could do this because. I don't know if we would have timed up the same way and I could tell you're in the zone. You had your shit you're going to talk yeah. about. And I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm just jumping in. We've got to flip and do it. I was like, okay, 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 done. There you go. Boom. <laughs> so it, it's really it. funny. You know, it's really funny. I always think if you ask the universe for something, it comes. Now you put a post out a while ago and said, um, you're doing these podcasts. I can't remember the exact wording. You are happy to mentor people to do one for free, send your name and you're going to hook them up. I said to our team, I was like, we need to do this. Let's do one of these with Robert. Let's not do this webinar. They said, no, 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 our tool is this webinar. So, okay, I'll trust that. But I thought the universe answered my call. We did a podcast instead. So when you sent the link, I was like, let's do it. Let's click and go. The team were like, what? We can't do that. We've just told all our attendees that we're off for the day. That's, that's all right. I'm sure Robert will film it and we can play it again later. So I am, um, I am born to break the rules. 
and create them and do them as I go. So I have zero um, – you have freedom when you generally don't give a shit. And when I create something in my head, I just go. And so, look, we just had to do something. We've done it. It's great. Um, so actually, because this has been your show, would you like to finish us off and then I can give you the full screen experience then, and then I can um, exit on out? Okay. So what I'm going to do is I am going to finish us off with a – um, a quick cut again, we opened with one and we should close with one as we transition out of doing the business with Robert today and um, back into our daily lives as we get back and um, do what we all do well. So, kia tau, kia tato kato, te ato whai o tō tato ari ki a iri kraiti, me te aroha o te atua, me te whiwhinga tangitanga, ki te wairua tapu, āke āke, āmene. Ai, ok. Awesome. Um, just quickly, lastly, Angela Dello, which was the point of this, uh, was actually asking, where and when can we see the results of the survey? So feel free to make your plug right about now, Kylie. Okay, so you need to go onto the BDO New Zealand website, and in there, there is a link into the Māori sector, and you'll find your way through to the survey. Um, we're also um, happy to send it out to anyone who makes contact through the BDO New Zealand website. Um, you're welcome to see it. It is launched uh, live today with me and my good friend, Robert. I uh, couldn't have thought of a better person to launch the, the report with. Love your work. Hey, great, great exit. Well done. <laughs> All right, love, love your work. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, take care, eh? Cool, see Be you soon. safe Bye. over there. Will do. Thanks, Carly. All righty, tech to the rescue. Com completed, done and dusted. Happy with that. Should we finish off with with some tracks, outro. There we go. Put it up there. Uh, Kylie from BDO, friend from the East Coast, Ngāti Pirao, Gizzi. Um, I was supposed to be on their tech custom fancy webinar today. Um, technology did not allow us to do so. So uh, I we pivoted, um, made some technical adjustments, sent them a link. Next thing you know, boom, we're on here. This was un, unplanned that we shouldn't, this wasn't supposed to be a public thing like this on, on my channels, um, but I uh, appreciate that we've uh, got it done. Um, enjoy the rest of the day, everyone. Be well, be good, um, and I'll be seeing you all pretty soon. Um, very cool. Shot team. Love your work. Adios. <laughs>